Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined, as always, by my tranquil wife, Betsy. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> it's, an, it's an inner tranquility. <laughs> I don't feel like that one, I feel like that one misses the mark. Well, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. I work hard. I work hard at these adjectives. Betsy, it's season five. Ready? Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. We're back, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited about the content that we're going to be bring, bringing to this uh, fifth season of our podcast. Interesting interviews, interesting topics. We hope. Uh, we hope, we trust. If you know <laughs> us at all, we tend we tend to to be all over the place uh, in this amazing world that God has made. But Bets, let's get loud here and talk about, oh, wait a second, maybe not too loud. The <laughs> title for this opening episode of season five is The Restorative Power of Silence. Yes. So that does go with tranquility. That does. That yes. was that was the hook. I love it. Um, I don't feel like being silent. I'm a preacher. <laughs> Tell us, Bets, get us into this topic. Okay, so this summer, um, over this summer, Josh and I had the privilege of retreating to Black Mountain, North Carolina, which is absolutely beautiful. It's on the east side of downtown Asheville. Um, Our four kids went to camp at Ridge Haven in Brevard. The PCA's uh, camp. And they all went the same week which I, I'm not going to lie, I love our kids, and I have been dreaming about them all going to camp the same week since our oldest was born. We just tell them not to listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they all were able to go. They had a wonderful time. And then the amazing thing was that Josh and I were able to spend the time that they were in camp in the home of some dear friends from church and up in Black Mountain. It was absolutely beautiful. And Josh, you were taking your study leave yes, um, from church, and I was able to also take a study leave from my life, I guess. Sure. Um, and we both love reading, and I love reading well, you in ap- quiet. Well, you approached it very much like a professional study leave, yes. which is reading, writing, and praying. Mm-hmm. It, uh, those are, to me, those are the three ingredients of and 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 being still, which is I think we could put that under the prayer rubric. Yes. Yes. Yep. So we gathered up. Uh, I gathered up all the books that I had been either half finished with or wanting to finish and just hadn't, you know, had been unable to for whatever reason. Um, and so an author that I really really enjoy is um, Dallas Willard. I know I've mentioned him before in relationship to the Divine Conspiracy. That's one of his book that I books that I read um, a couple of years Which ago. Which would be his most well known book. I yes, think. Yeah. I do. I do think so. Um, Dallas Willard. He has passed away now. He was a professor at the University of Southern California School of Philosophy. He died in 2013. And um, so I had a couple of his books that I had been wanting to finish. One was called The Spirit of the Disciplines, which speaks about um, spiritual disciplines and their practice in the Christian life. And then the other one is called The Great Omission, Reclaiming Jesus's Essential Teachings on Discipleship. So anyway, those were two books that I was wanting to finish over 
our study leave, and I was able to do that, and it was wonderful. Um, so the reason that we arrive at the topic of silence, as I said, one of um, these books by, actually both of the books by Dallas Willard, he really hammers the importance of silence in the Christian life. Hmm. And, you know, he's all about the spiritual disciplines as, um, discipleship as, um, recreating the habits of Jesus in your life and mm. um, a very intentional plan for, um, you know, working with the Lord, working out your salvation in fear and trembling and taking on the character of Christ. You know, he says a lot, one of the things that he says so often in this book and um, in, in his other books is grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And great, so, great statement. Yeah, he says that over and over again, meaning that because we're saved by grace, that doesn't mean we don't do anything. Yeah. That means we don't earn our salvation. Which is often, unfortunately, especially in an American context, it's often the implication, even if it's right. not taught, right. the idea is like, well, Jesus did everything, so I do nothing. Right. And, he's, <laughs> and I just sort of lay back and expect to get zapped by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I'm going to wake up different. Right. Because it's all grace. That's right. And Dallas Willard is like, yes, it is all grace. And our effort is fueled by God's grace and moves us toward holiness in concert with the Holy Spirit. So all that to say, one spiritual discipline, as it were, that he, that Dallas Willard really hammers home over and over again, especially in the Great Omission, is silence and solitude. So the great omission, I realize this book, it's really a collection of talks that he gave over the course of his life. Mm. So it's an interesting read because, you know, reading something that someone has written and reading something that someone said is different, right? It is. I've uh-huh. actually found, though, that books that are compilation of talks are often the best books. Yeah. It, like some it of reads Tim Ke- differently. A lot of Tim Keller's best books are just compilations of his sermons mm-hmm. that have been edited. Yeah. yeah. When someone has said something, it reads differently than if they wrote it to be read. Yep. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, it was kind of, it, so this book is kind of more conversational, which, which I really enjoyed. So... This is the thing. He talks so much about why we need silence. And by silence in the Christian life, um, you know, he means retreating from noise, retreating from doing stuff, retreating from um, mental noise, physical noise, all kinds of noise, and just being. And, you know, some of us hear that and we're like, hmm, I'm a mom of four kids. I have a job. Like, when do I have time yeah. to be silent? Sounds like a great excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being right now. I'm practicing my solitude. Um, but we'll, we'll get to practical, more practical ways to, of um, exploring silence. But anyway, I want to talk about why do we need silence? Now, these are my reflections, not Dallas Willard's. Um, but in thinking about the discipline of being quiet. Why do we need that? Okay, so here are some reasons that I came up with, and, and, and you jump in as, as you need to. Okay, so... But if I don't, it's because I'm being silent. <laughs> no, I don't want you to be silent. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think the first thing, I'm actually going to read a, a quote from his book, The Great Omission. Um, I think the first thing is, as we are silent... We remind ourselves that we're creatures. 
we deal with the ultimate questions and we're reminded of what's really true at the deepest realities of our lives. Um, So I want to read this. This was something that I really um, found meaningful. Okay, here we go. Silence means quietness, freedom from sounds except natural ones like breathing, bird songs, and wind and water gently moving. It also means not talking. Um, Silence completes solitude, for without it you cannot be alone. You remain subject to the pulls and pushes of a world that exhausts you and keeps you in bondage, distracting you from God and from your own soul. Far from being a mere absence, silence allows the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. It is like the wind of eternity blowing in your face. Not for nothing does the psalmist say, Be still and know that I am God. God does not ordinarily compete for our attention. In silence we come to attend. Mm. So I love the line particularly where he says, silence allows the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. It is like the wind of eternity blowing in your face. Because as we are quiet and we retreat from things that usually we look to for meaning or purpose, you know, all the stuff that we do and um, all the different tasks that we do, that's where we can really be confronted with the ultimate questions. Why am I here? What is my life about? What's my purpose? Yes. And those are some, that's, that's a wonderful quote. There's a lot to meditate on there. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the clear implications is that our busyness is often distracting us Mm -hmm. from contemplating these ultimate things. Right. And how much of that we are willfully doing and how much of that we are sort of unintentionally doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's controversial to say most people don't want to think about the ultimate things. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't sitting around saying, what's going to happen when I die? The second after I die, what happens? Right. Um, that's not a comfortable uh, thought for people who don't have a firm religious grounding. And of course, as believers, we would say uh, the hope of Christ so uh, you can see how unnatural silence is. Yeah, and how when we do just sit in moments of silence, our mind can wander to what really is at the foundation of reality? You know, what yeah. is my life about? And um, I think another reason we need silence is it's kind of the opposite of the world's conception of identity. We've talked about this. You just preached about this over the summer. Mm -hmm. You know, our world tells us we are what we do, right? Yep. That, that's the big struggle of my life. Mm. Um, You know, I think we have, we all struggle with different idols. Absolutely. But, but that very much for me is the temptation to identify my value with my production and my, my title, right? those sort of things. Well, and so I think it was last season or one before, we talked about the book Atomic Habits. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, very practical, helpful. But I remember in that, I think we even talked about this briefly in the episode, he, um, James Clear is the author of that book. He talks about putting on an identity, right? So your identity that he talks about, he says, if you want to become, you know, a person who um, eats healthily or rides a bike all the time or is really productive or whatever, what you do is you say, this is my new identity and I am going to take steps to move into that new identity. So, so in that, I think that's just a really common 
conception of identity. We are what we do. And so if you want to be a certain person, then you do certain things, you know, and I think that's the message that our kids hear. What are you good at? What do you do? Develop your passions. And that's all important stuff. But at the core, at the core, who are we? Are we people who do certain things? Yes. You know, we have superficial levels of identity, I think. Like, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm an American. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, someone who loves the The way I would, I would put them, those are secondary levels of identity. Exactly. But they're still, they're real, obviously. They're real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm an For American. Sure. That's, a, that's a real thing. For sure. And, and if you do want to be someone who, you know, eats healthier food or, or does this or that, sure, the habits that, that you step into are helpful to get you there. But... At the end of the day, silence reminds us that ultimately we're God's children and that's what we were made to be, period. Yeah. Nobody's struggling with the idol of like, I'm great at silence. That's my, Yeah. (laughs) maybe, maybe that's like the idols of monks, you know, (laughs) they're like, I put my identity in how silent I am. But for the rest of us, I mean, come on, let's be real. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That, that levels that just takes away, um, you know, I'm, my identity is derived from my presence on social media. My identity is right. derived from the, you know, production that I put out in the world, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. So I think as we come to periods of silence and just being before the Lord, just, you know, soaking up wherever we are, listening to the sounds wherever we are, our hearts can be recalibrated. It, we can be reminded of our purpose and our purpose is literally to walk with God. That's it. And, and of course, out of that flows everything else that we do. But at its most f- core and fundamental level, it's, our silence can remind us about who we are. And we are God's child, period. And he just wants us to enjoy that. Just to enjoy the relationship. And so often our busyness keeps us from that, I think. So another great thing that I wanted to highlight from this book and this kind of is going to hit home for me and probably for a lot of other people, when we practice solitude and silence adequately, this knowledge of God that we gain progressively replaces the rabid busyness and self-importance that drive most human beings, including the religious ones. So (laughs) I think um, I love the phrase rabid busyness and self-importance because he, he really highlights that as we step back from our lives and we do retreat into periods of silence, we realize the world does go on without us. Betsy, I'd like to talk with you for a few minutes about fire ants. Hmm. Now, again, not sure how this is related. You need to, you need to hang (laughs) with me. Okay, go for it. When we moved to Columbia, we quickly discovered Columbia is a haven. It's a destination for fire ants. Oh, it, it, our backyard, particularly, the, the fire ants of, <laughs> of North America, they look at the real estate. They want to come to Columbia. <gasps> they do. They love it it's so great. much. It's <laughs> great. They love the summers. You Yo, can't, our, our backyard is basically sand. You so. can't get rid of them. It's impossible. Yeah. You could blow up your entire backyard. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, sorry, there's still going to be mounds of fire ants. Yep. That's But so true. we've all had this experience. Okay, during the summer, you want to wear flip-flops or sandals. You don't want to wear pants and socks and shoes outside when it's like 150 degrees. So you go out and who hasn't had that experience of you step on a, on a fire ant mound? Yeah. Yep. 
uh, assuming you haven't already treated that mound with whatever kills them. And the fire ants, what, what do the ants do? The ants go crazy. They scatter. They, they go in every direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and they bite you. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. They bite you and you're <laughs> angry and frustrated and trying to figure out who will win this war. Will it be me or the ants? And the, mm-hmm. an- the answer is the ants. Right. Every time. But I wonder, you know, I just had this image in my mind of um, if God looks down from heaven and sometimes he sees us and we're just like these ants mm. that are so rabidly, because, you know, watch fire ants, they're really moving quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you know, it's just a... a this hive of activity and the, I am, it probably isn't random, but it appears as though they're just moving in completely random. They're just kind of going. Right. And I wonder if sometimes that's how our actions appear to God. Of Mm -hmm. course, in our minds, everything we're doing is so important. The world can't exist without what we're doing. Right. And God needs everything we're doing or his kingdom's going to fall apart. Right. Yep. I don't think Dallas Willard would say that that's the case. That's right. Yeah. And, and again, just wanting to hit home the, the ultimate point in that retreat of silence is to remember that again, at the core of everything, God wants you to enjoy your relationship with him. And that's, Again, that's his purpose. What did he do with Adam and Eve in the garden? He just walked with them. Like they enjoyed each other. Yeah. And so often we, just have all of these competing identities that we aren't even necessarily cognizant of or don't see how enslaved we are to um, developing this or that. And so when we break away, we can kind of think through, okay, what am I giving my life to right now? What am I giving my heart to? Um, You know, a a good friend here at church, I heard her say in a meeting one time and found this so profound, she said, God doesn't want your doing. He wants your being. And is that to say that God wants us to never do anything? No. But in as we are with God, as we spend those moments soaking in that and hearing from him, we are equipped to do whatever it is that he's yeah, calling yeah. us to. I might phrase it a little bit differently. I might say God wants our doing to flow out of our being. Yes. And, and when we think about Adam and Eve... Um, God did tell them to do stuff. Sure. Um, we have the creation mandate, have dominion, be fruitful and multiply. But it's very important that we always remember this. That comes after God creating us in his image. That's right. Yep. yep. Creating us as relational beings designed to know him, designed to walk with him. And yes. then to live out our calling, which I love the idea is we're, we're kings and queens. We're, mm-hmm. we're called to image God yep. in the world. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and if you study the life of Jesus, he had lots of periods of retreat. You know, he, he, if you study the Gospels, he was always going yeah. up on mountains by himself and praying and yep. um, retreating into silence and, and solitude. Pete, and like Peter was probably constantly like, goodness, we've got so much we got to get done today. That's right. There goes Jesus again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if Jesus needed those periods of silence... And if he pursued them, how <laughs> we better be doing it too. We better be doing it too. Um, so I just want to commend that to um, that. That's something that I am trying to develop in my life is a practice of just being quiet. I actually Do love. Do you have some practical tips for us? Like, don't, you know, uh, when you drive in the car, you know, don't listen to something. Or, I mean, do you have any 
practical tips you're doing yeah right now, well or? and it was either dallas willard or i also really enjoy richard foster who's someone who was a disciple of dallas willard um one of them said somewhere you know it isn't practical for most of us to think that we can take a week away and just you know like even your study leave that's such a unique opportunity yep. that most people don't aren't afforded um so there are practical ways that we can cultivate that silence. And like you said, even like, let's think about all this, all the time we spend in our car as, um, Americans who a lot of us live in suburbs, we do spend a lot of time in the car. That's a great time to be silent. It's all, I mean, it's fun to listen to music or a podcast or whatever it may be. Um, but also that's a great time to just be silent and think yeah, and let your mind kind of wander. I, I will say I do my best thinking when I'm just sitting somewhere. And, and that's kind of when my mind starts making connections and, yeah. um, yeah. My, my practical advice is honor the Lord's day mm. is, uh, the Christian Sabbath, which is Sunday, uh, to, to view that as a unique opportunity to be silent in a way that we can't right. the rest of the week, because we have responsibilities that God wants us to be faithful to fulfill. That's right. Yep. Well, and I just want to say one more thing as we close. So. On our trip to Black Mountain, um, Josh and I were able to take a very long hike. <laughs> this hike ended up being much longer than we this anticipated. This is not necessarily a good memory for me. <laughs> so we set out, you know, that's a very hilly area. And um, Josh and I set out one morning and we were like, oh, we're going to do this awesome hike. It's going to be so great. And, you know, of course, you turn on your Apple Watch because if your phone doesn't tell you that you exercise, did you? Did of course you? not. It's like if a you tree start over. if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, it didn't fall. And That's if, right. if you worked out and you didn't record it, you didn't work out. Yes. So you know we we it's hit common the sense. we hit we hit the button on our on our phones and we started hiking and and we were told that this hike was what eight miles or something yeah something like that yeah you know we in in truth we hadn't really looked at the elevation before we started so. Um, it was also extremely rocky. We didn't have hiking boots because that's uh-uh. just we just set out to do it, and we weren't really equipped or prepared. We didn't have anything in case we ran into a bear. Um, we did see two snakes, and that, that was pretty crazy. So ended up this hike was like 10 miles, and we went up 2,361 feet. Um, so this was not necessarily in the pantheon of fun hikes, but the reason that I bring it up is to say it was perfectly silent. Was mm, it not? Mm. I wasn't sure if this was like a humble brag or. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm kidding. No, no, there was, was no. It was so quiet. I mean, there was nobody out there. It was the most like you couldn't hear a car. You couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And that, yeah, that was, was probably, great. you know, we took some moments just to listen to the silence. And that was the quietest I feel like I've heard in a long time it was just Mm -hmm. the birds there was some water rushing and in that you know as we walked around uh, along on this never-ending hike that we both kind of ended up having a bad attitude about um, (laughs) I just had a really profound experience of communing with the Lord Mm. and of just being just feeling his delight. You know, I, I, in Psalm 36, there's this beautiful section where, um, talking about God's children, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. With you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. 
that is something that is so such beautiful imagery that God gives us drink from the river of his delights. And that is something that we can experience as we retreat more into silence and we just let ourselves dwell on what is my life ultimately about. Um, And so even on that hike where it ended up being something we didn't expect, it was just such a rare treat to be able to listen to the silence and be in communion with God in a special way. Well, there's no better way to end this episode than that quote from the Psalter. What a beautiful quote. Betsy, thank you for sharing these great insights about the restorative power of silence. And we look forward to you joining us for the rest of season five. This season, Betsy and I would like to do some AMA episodes, which stands for Ask Me Anything. Or I guess it would be Ask Us Anything. A-U-A, I guess. (laughs) So uh, we would love to hear from you. What are some topics that you want us to tackle? As we live in this world where everything quite literally intersects and church meets culture, what are some questions that have been raised for you in how to navigate cultural issues? And uh, y'all know it doesn't have to be heavy or serious. You can send us some lighthearted or silly questions too. We actually love those. We love those. Yes. All right, folks, you can reach us on any of our platforms at Intersect Podcast. Send us your questions via a message on Instagram or Facebook or email us at intersect at anyprez.com. If you rate, review, or subscribe, we do appreciate that. And bets. We'll see you next time. <laughs>